to the Uplove Truth, currently a weekly podcast where we cover every episode of Lucifer while exploring plot holes and admiring the guyliner. All with the love for the show and its creators. I'm Vero. I'm Lina. And today we're covering Lucifer Season 1, Episode 8. Add to Doctor. Before we go into the episode, our usual shout out to our lovely patrons, especially during the still ongoing and going on for quite a while situation with COVID-19. We appreciate you guys even more that you still find a bit money to send towards our goal, especially since half of us has no job at the moment and the other one has no time. So we appreciate it. But because one of us has no job and all the time, we might actually have to find a new Patreon goal. Because if you can be bothered to check our wonderful Patreon page at patreon.com slash podcast. You will see that our first Patreon goal was to switch over to a weekly podcast. And as you might have noticed, <laughs> we are weekly at the moment. And Vero has gotten so good at editing that there is a slight chance, no pressure here, we might be able to keep it up even after things return to a more normal reality we'll see so fingers crossed and respect to vero's editing skills if you have any issues with the edit of episodes hit me up give me some feedback so i can get myself better as well because now i'm getting faster but i'm not sure if the quality is necessarily picking up so if you have any notes you want to give me feel free to shoot us an email in general if you have any notes because we actually heard from someone that they do not send us feedback because they don't want to argue with us. Well, if you just want to send us feedback and not argue with us, just start with, hey, do not argue with me. I just wanted to let you know. And then we would simply have your feedback and be happy that we have your feedback. If you want to argue with us, we'd be happy to do so in our season recap episode that we're gonna do after we're done with season one. So feel free to give us any form of input, feedback, notes, criticism, praise, whatever you can think of on whatever way you choose. There's, I think, like 10 ways to get in contact with us. But let's go into the episode and the description is The murder of a therapist prompts Lucifer to enlist the help of Dr. Linda to search for a suspect. Meanwhile, he struggles with feelings of jealousy. So it's an adequate description of the episode. German Amazon drops the ball again <laughs> because they simply repeat the description for episode 7. But haven't they repeated the description from episode 6? So it's three episodes of the same description, pretty much. No, they repeated in episode 5, I think, the description for episode 4. So it's the second time that it's a copy and paste error on the German Amazon. Lazy. Fail. Fun facts. People might remember that... Episode 3, The Would-Be Prince of Darkness, is so far considered as the worst episode for Vero and me. This episode is actually written by Jen Kao, who is one of the two co-writers of episode 3. So is that the second co-writer? Exactly. So they don't work well together, but separately they do good episodes? Exactly. Seems like it. Fun. Also, as usual, the title is said by someone in the episode. Again, finally 
finally, it's Lucifer, because we had a few stand-ins for him. The title, obviously, is a reference to A2 Brute from Julius Caesar, the play by William Shakespeare. Woohoo! Caesar utters those words as he is being stabbed to death, having recognized his friend Brutus among the assassins. And being from a play... Obviously, Caesar historically never said those words. And even if he said something akin to those words, it probably wasn't Brutus that Caesar felt betrayed by, because those two weren't that tight. But rather Decimus, who is a distant cousin of Brutus. And Decimus was an actually trusted true friend. And he had a historically real role in the assassination. Just as large, if not larger, than Brutus. Mm, Fun fact. Because he is the one who convinced Caesar to come into the Senate even after Caesar's wife had a nightmare and tried to convince her husband not to go. And Decimus convinced Caesar that even if he didn't want to basically hold the meeting, he would still have to let the senators know in person that the meeting was cancelled. Okay. And that is supposedly the only reason Caesar went to the Senate on that day, because it was Decimus' job to get him there so he could be killed. Interesting. I didn't know that. I feel like I should know that. I had nine years of Latin I had to know this. And with this, we can go straight into the episode. Okay, previously on, Dan is a douche who is trying to convince Chloe that she is wrong about Palmetto. Lucifer is burning his wings, Mace is telling Emanadiel about Linda, Ames approaching Linda about Lucy, Lucy breaking the wall, and we have all of these things kind of connected together so we can get straight into the episode. And I really like that we get the wall punching again because that was... That was a very strong moment. Intense moment and I really, really like that scene. And as the first scene starts, we have a great song. The camera is circling around Lux and we are getting David Bowie's Rebel Rebel, which is absolutely amazing. And as I mentioned before, in the comics, Lucifer is modeled after David Bowie. So getting a David Bowie song, Always a good thing here. Yeah, yet another layer. How amazing it is though, Rebel Rebel, it's one, it's an amazing song, but also, again, we're here with the names. I want to point that out. Lucifer is the rebel. He's the rebellious son. He's the rebel rebel. He's the rebel. I'm going to say rebel a lot. Please stop me. (laughs) Also, Lucifer went with a very obvious theme for his rebirth party. There are wings everywhere from super weird to butterfly wings and everything. Oh, have you noticed at one stage, we talked about blocking and shooting Mm. in the last episode and we had the blocking with the wings, but this time we have the dancers with the arm waving behind him, which is kind of like wings as well. So that was really cool. I kind of noticed that. But overall, I felt like the scene was a bit rushed, which in my opinion was deliberate because it's meant to be like he's having a party and Chloe is just dropping by and then leaving instantly again. But what I really, really liked about this is the awkward body language of Lucifer when Chloe hugs him for his birthday. He seems so unused to normal signs of friendship, human affection. Yeah, anything but sex. Basically, which is... It's like the classic, yeah, just because he has a lot of sex doesn't mean he knows what intimacy is like, which I do have my issues with, because just because you have a lot of sex doesn't mean you do not have intimacy. But that's a tangent for another day. I wouldn't go too deep into that one, because they don't claim it's both ways. They claim that with him is this way. 
But what I actually, well, for one, whiskey with pickle juice sounds really nasty and I really want to try it. I do not drink whiskey, so you do that for me, please. I will do that. I actually like pickle juice, so... Yeah, well, that's what I mean. For me, the worst part would be the whiskey and not the pickle juice. I like both pickle juice and whiskey. So I would really want to try that, but it sounds nasty. But one of my favorite things about this scene, except for the actual idea of rebirthday party, which I find amazing and it's very smart and we should all do a rebirthday party because getting born... And I'm saying that we're recording a day after my birthday. Getting born is not an accomplishment and you don't need to celebrate it every year. But going through stuff that change you a lot within are actually a big things and we should celebrate that more. Getting born is not a choice, but surviving is a choice. Exactly. And that is celebrated when you prove that you made it. Exactly. But besides that, I adore the fact that Dan is trying so hard to be nice to Lucifer for Chloe's benefit. (laughs) And it's fucking hilarious. The entire chemistry in that scene between the three of them is amazing. Love it. He's trying hard, which I appreciate. What I did not appreciate is the... We have to get Maze to try this. She loves the salty aftertaste, which is just... It's a sperm joke. I know it's a sperm joke. It's just... uh. I wasn't bothered by it. It's low-hanging fruit. It is, but it's not the greatest joke. The rest of the episode is really, really well written. So that jarred me a bit. (laughs) Okay. Episode, I know you can do better. Later on, we have such great dialogue and everything. Do you have anything else for this scene? No, because we go over to Malcolm's party. Which is also a rebirth party in a way. Which is fun, exactly. We very rarely get two very specific songs in two scenes after each other. And we do this time. There is another song that starts straight away as we go from Lux to the Cop Pub. And it's called Devil in Your Eye. And it's by Bruises or John Graney, which unfortunately, the only place I could find the song at was SoundCloud. So I will link that to the episode, but it's not going to be on the Spotify playlist, which pains me greatly because it's a very good song and it's very Lucifer. The party is actually a good example of the really nice and well-written dialogue when Malcolm's partner says heaven didn't want him and hell couldn't keep him and Malcolm keeps this straight eye contact with Chloe when he says you have no idea. This sets up such an ominous feeling and it's so well done and this is why I was complaining about the sperm joke earlier because this is the quality in this episode and I am here for it and I fucking love it yeah the partner's name is Pollucci brought it down this time didn't last week I just love how the entire party scene feels so uneasy and awkward and tense and Malcolm is disgusting and off putting and super props to the actor oh yeah and it's really weird because then i'm gonna just really quickly jump to the fact how he looks right now and how he's gonna look later on in the scene where he breaks into chloe's house yes it's completely different makeup or like something he just looks like a different person and then again at the end and then at the very end when he's menacing towards dan holy shit props to the actor i have to check if i've seen him in anything else or in what else he's been because i really want to see how it works otherwise because wow well done yeah and palucci also says the partner who will never die dun 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 
which crazily enough gives us that hint that Pelucci was somehow involved in the whole Palmetto situation or might be involved because like at the very end we learn that yeah it's just this really weird thing where Pelucci is he just won't die no matter how hard you try that's the way he delivers the line and it just throws you off so much we're being prepped to be willing to believe that he might have been involved and be even more surprised when the shoe drops at the very end. So the writing of the dialogue in this scene is superb. Thumbs up. I'm giving it both thumbs up. Yes, and I'm absolutely there for it. But the great dialogue keeps going because we go over to therapy and the way Linda deals with Lucifer. Lucifer talking about the last time but explicitly not apologizing is extremely Lucifer. He does not apologize in any way or form. And while he's speaking, the frame of the picture has the picture that Linda put over the hole. So we already know that the hole is behind this frame that she put up. And she deals so superbly with everything that she did not feel threatened, that it was a breakthrough. I love it. And she, again, tries to guide Lucifer to a realization. And, of course, he goes to his classic projection. Denial, deflection, projection. Pretty much. Denial, projection, deflection is a pretty much perfect description of Lucifer. I love it. This scene actually has one of my favorite lines of the entire episode. And that is a description of jealousy. Fat man sitting on my chest, but not in a fun way. I have never been jealous in my life, so I cannot... Have you never been jealous? I do not understand jealousy. It doesn't need to be just the words of person. Don't mix up envy and jealousy. I have been envious, but I haven't been jealous. Huh. Well, what's the difference for you then? Oh, there's a perfect quote by Lisa Simpson. Actually, Homer Simpson says it, which is hilarious because usually Homer is the dumb person. And he says... I'm not jealous, I'm envious. Jealousy is when you worry someone else will take what you have. Envy is wanting what someone else has. What I feel is envy. Hmm, I never thought of it that way. And Lisa then checks the dictionary and goes, he's right. (laughs) So I, I understand envy. I understand wanting what other people have. But I do not understand the worry that someone else will take affection from someone away from me because this is nothing that I have any way of control or influence over so by worrying about it I would only make it more likely Hmm. yeah and thus would be entirely counterproductive I suppose you're right on a rational level I do not understand jealousy on an emotional level I have never felt it at the same time though do you remember our debate last episode about well Ames and Chloe meet and Lucifer gets jealous. We said that's because not only he doesn't like that they are getting on, but he doesn't want to share her with his brother. So that's jealousy, right? That's jealousy, yes. Yeah. Lucifer is absolutely jealous, but he's also envious of Dan. But also that's kind of the same thing as in we talked about unwillingness of sharing new things or new friends with your sibling because you're afraid that they're going to take it away from you. Yeah, that's jealousy. Yeah, you never felt that. My brother has never tried to take anything away from me. Yeah, so I just wanted to say that I love the description because it's very Lucifer and it feels very accurate as well. So it's some kind of an emotion that is extremely uncomfortable. Speaking of it being very Lucifer, you know what's also very 
Lucifer, the fucking red soles of his shoes in the opening of the next scene. His shoes have red soles. Oh my god, that's so cool. I was a bit taken out of the episode because why? And then I thought about it and I, yeah, of course. But the camera starts at his feet on ground level and then pans up. So it's deliberate that we see his shoes and the color of his soles. It's also very Lucifer that he's a fan of the whole cheetah's therapist approach. And thirdly, Lucifer trying to insert Linda into the investigation is also very Lucifer. So yeah, Lucifer trying to insert anything anywhere is very Lucifer. And getting his way. Like basically scene four is classic Lucifer, check, classic Lucifer, check, classic Lucifer, check. Absolutely. And also classically for Lucifer, extreme amount of eyeliner. Oh my God. Really? I I didn't notice that. So much eyeliner in that scene. But also him giving the nickname again back to the nicknames, the tissue lot thing is very Lucifer as well. So this entire scene, you're right, is extremely Lucifer based and extremely true to Lucifer as well. And I'm going to include scene five when he fucks the judge to get the signature is also just a fourth check mark for being Lucifer. And then we get the title card. So we get our title card and it was, I think it was about nine minutes, nine and a half minutes in. Nine minutes, 16 seconds. Yeah, so it was a little bit later than we usually do, but not too much. Yes. And we're back at Linda's. So this is becoming a very Linda-centered episode. So I am fucking loving it. I am so happy that Linda gets so much screen time. But before we go into the scene, I have to do my correction tangent. Because a few episodes back when... Amenadiel introduced himself to Linda. He says his name and the subtitles spell it in a certain way, but neither my interpretation of how his name might be spelled nor the subtitles on Amazon were actually correct. Because now we get a close-up on the name tag on his door and Kanan is spelled C-A-N-A-A-N. So off to the interwebs I went and... One of the things Canaan is the grandson of Noah, the dude who built the fucking ark. So it's not a grandson of Adam, it's a grandson of Noah. It's a grandson of Noah. Cool. And there's a shit ton more to it, but on account of brevity, I'm not going to go into too much detail because it was also a country and a people and the people had descendants and there's a whole thing with it. But since there's apparently no more relevance to the name given in the episode, I will hold back. For now, but should it come up in the future again, I might get into more detail. But I stand corrected. It was neither of the things I said last time. (laughs) I like this scene. There is one moment where I get slightly upset with Lucifer. It's the moment where he tries to use his powers against Linda. And he knows that she's being helpless. In He's trying to get the files of her to read. Mm. And I don't think that's a way he should be using his powers. But it's still very Lucifer that he uses it for its own personal gain. And it's just another brownie point for Linda that she is holding back and keeping strong. Well, mainly in that situation, Chloe walks in and interrupts the whole situation. So Linda is holding strong. Oh yeah, she was holding as much as she could. There's one moment in this scene that makes it totally adorable when Lucifer says he's an onion, an irresistible onion. I was just about to say that. <laughs> Literally, that's my next note. I have layers. 
I'm like an onion. Yeah, he's he's such an irresistible onion. I absolutely adore it. And I love that you actually compared Lucifer to an onion, I think, an episode or two back. Did I? Yes. I wasn't there. <laughs> oh, no, you were drunk. You were there. Of course I did. <laughs> so that was actually one reason why I wrote it down. I think I may have cut it at the end of the day, but... Every comparison of people to onions for me will always be Shrek. Oh! I remember that. I've seen that once or twice in my life. Shrek is a brilliant movie in any and all ways. And so whenever someone compares themselves to an onion, I have to think of Shrek. And again, Lucifer is being extremely Lucifer and being extremely heavy-handed trying to get Linda to talk to Chloe. And it's hilarious. Subtle, he is not in this episode. At all. Is he ever, though? Is he ever? I don't think subtlety is his strong suit. He can be. And in this episode, he pretty much decided to... Nah, why bother? I like that we get more backstory for Dan and Chloe when they're in the car. That was interesting that Lucy was actually self-reflecting. Was it just a part of his tactic to get Chloe? Or was he actually concerned? I think so, yeah. Either way, it was a really nice situation. Because, like I said earlier, he didn't apologize to Linda. So when he apologizes, it's most likely to further his agenda. I don't think he would say it if he wouldn't mean it. That's my opinion. Uh, we could argue this point, but I'm just gonna let it rest. But I like the backstory part for Dan and Chloe that... Yeah, uh, Lucy is quite right when he says that it's a participation trophy for Dan. Because yes, in that moment, the relationship between Chloe and Dan is very much about Trixie and nothing else, really. It doesn't really seem as Chloe having any kind of stronger feelings towards Dan. It's mostly just very pragmatic approach. And I'm not sure if it's just because she's holding herself back because she doesn't trust him. Or because she in general doesn't strike me as a person who is great with the public displays of affection. Oh no, it's not just displaying of, of affection. It's just kind of the feeling of chemistry between the two of them I have. But that's my perception of the situation. I find it funny that this is the second time we have Lucifer on the roof with someone. And we got a green screen again. It's been a while since a noticeable green screen. Again, I didn't notice it. I fucking suck at this. But you do remember the last time we had Lucifer on a roof of someone was episode three. Cannonball! Which the same person wrote. Oh. <laughs> you doing this to me, it's... Uh, okay. <laughs> so I found that quite hilarious. Is this gonna be a thing? They wrote more episodes, so I'm I'm gonna keep an eye out. Okay, roof scene check. Awkward conversation check. It kind of felt like it. Though the conversation this time isn't as awkward. But I really like the god is judgy when it comes to suicide. Yeah, he kinda is. And so I like that we had this insert with, yeah, he does get judgy. He loves kind of inserting himself and stating his opinions on... Uh, on dad's opinions, yeah. His father's behavior or kind of situation, which you know what and I'm saying. And mostly we agree with him. Yeah. I like that Lucifer's pragmatic deadpan approach to Richard's life is like, yeah, well, your life sucks. Everything is bleak. There's no other way than up. And Richard's going like, huh, you're right. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Brutally honest Lucifer saving lives since five years ago at this stage. Uh, who knows what year it is. <laughs> 
And also another positive writing note. It felt very natural how Richard drops the information that they need to continue the plot. Yes. Because he kept yabbing on about how grateful he was for his therapist. And it felt very natural that he would talk about the wife because he was also close with her. So great job done with the writing again, as I'm going to be repeating myself in this episode. I'm sorry. What I want to point out here, we haven't been talking about Lucy Powers as much lately, but we get again one of his magic things that are unexplained still is when they arrive to the scene and Chloe is on the phone with Linda. Oh, and he just pops up. And he just pops up on the top of the roof in like a matter of seconds and we have no idea how he does it. Almost as if he still had his wings. Exactly. Which he does it because he burned it. Yeah. We've seen the scars. We've seen the flames. I don't understand how he's doing that. That was the same thing back in the episode where he got inside the house. We've seen it numerous of times. So Lucifer can teleport. Yeah, but how? 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 That's a good question. Mm. This is just... This is Lucy magic, which is not explained. Because we do have an understanding of his Lucy powers. But the Lucy magic, like how he magics himself out of a car or into a building or on top of a building. That's a, actually a very good question. Yeah, I just wanted to point this out. Because we've seen it before and it's making me slightly yeah complaining on a high level but it takes you out a bit yeah yeah it's not much of a complaint it's just i want to understand what the fuck is happening yeah i do hope we get an explanation for it at some point hopefully fingers crossed what i'm not complaining about is getting my two favorite characters in one scene being back at Lux, having linda show up and walking down the stairs as we get a song called devil like you by gareth dunlop They basically just went and collected every song with devil in the name and checked where they could put it in. Do you know how many songs are called Devil Like You? A lot. Way too many. However, this one's very cool. So that's what's playing when Linda is walking down the stairs in Lux. She approaches the bar and Maze is so catty and obnoxious towards her. And Linda just deals with it like this. And it's... Ah, this scene is one of my favorites in this episode because Mace instantly appreciates the fight back from Linda and goes like, I like you. Yep, it's I respect you to me. Yeah. Very much from Mace. And I like that Mace, she doesn't take it wrong when someone is standing up to her. On the contrary, when you stand up to her and stand up on your own, then you are worthy of consideration So I really, really appreciated this interaction between those two. I have a quote. Oh, yes, please. I find rude people often feel powerless in their own lives. Which is literally what Mace just stares at her. Like, okay, I respect you, dude. She's got a point. Yeah, she's got a point. And Mace knows it because if it weren't true, she wouldn't have stand down at all. Also, did you notice that in this scene we have three women? Because when Lucifer and Chloe show up, we have Chloe, Linda and Mace... And Linda and Chloe work off extremely well of each other, just as well as Chloe and Lucifer sometimes do. So it felt really nice to have this dynamic of Linda and Mace interacting, of Linda and Chloe interacting, and Lucifer basically being the odd one out. Mm. 
I think there is an amazing chemistry between the entire cast, as it very often is. I see that as a reason why the show just keeps coming back and back for more seasons. Mm. And I think it's very much the same with Supernatural or Brooklyn Nine-Nine. You just have the main cast just work really well together in a way that's they can build not just them as people, but them as characters can kind of build on top of each other. And that's just really enjoyable to watch for us as viewers. If you have good writing and a cast that has good chemistry with each other, then you have the chance for a truly good product. Absolutely. I gotta keep on praising the writing because I did not see both twists coming in this episode. I did not expect Malcolm to be at Chloe's home. When she walks in there expecting it to be Dan and it's Malcolm, I was genuinely surprised. Same. And I completely agree with Chloe's reaction that she's instantly getting ready to go for her weapon and she listens to his story and she goes like, great story, but she doesn't believe a single bit of it. And it all feels so genuine. It all fits so well together. And Malcolm is so unlikable. It's utterly amazing. Yeah, but that being said, and I mentioned that when we first saw Ma- Malcolm earlier, yep. in this scene, he looks way less creepy. He looks very genuine and actually honest. You can tell that there are iffy things about the story. But at that moment, and especially when I was watching this for the first time, I may have even believed him for a second. As in, there might be something to what he is saying. that Because... His version of events may not be 100% without a flaw. Like something might be off, but there still might be some truth to it. They built up the dislike of Malcolm in me so much that I had no room to believe anything he says. Yeah, fair enough. It was a very ominous situation and interaction and everything. But at the same time, as this show has proven itself a couple of times already, they love to toy with your feelings. It's the same thing with Dan, because he does the good thing and gets a brownie point and then he just does the shitty thing instantly. He loses it again, yes. (laughs) It's just kind of a roller coaster up and down. Again, they're trying to keep you on your toes with Malcolm here because it gives you a narrative that is a little bit different to what we've seen so far Mm. and it's not completely dismissible at this moment. No disagreement there. (laughs) Something about the whole situation is off. Yes. We don't know what yet, but we have been shown in the past again and again that going with Chloe's guts is the right way. So if she doesn't believe him, I'm not believing him. Yep. When we go on to the next suspect in the next scene, I already went on my jealousy and envy tangent, but I agree with Lucifer's exasperation that not everything and everyone has to be jealous. And I actually appreciate that in the show, most patients of this murdered therapist are happy patients and have profited from his way of therapy. Because I'm a bit over the, you're jealous, you're jealous. Like, of course, yes, Lucifer is very jealous. He's also envious. He's both at the same time, but not everyone has to be. So I'm agreeing with his exasperation. Speaking of brownie points, just now with Dan, he gets a brownie point, in my opinion, for rushing over and being worried and leaving when being told. Yeah, but notice that maybe Chloe didn't believe what Malcolm said, but she also didn't completely dismiss it. 
because she did not share that information with Dan. That's true. But maybe she didn't share it with him because they were out in the open. Like, not enough time. Maybe not enough time, but at the end of last episode, you were complaining that Chloe didn't share details of the Palmetto situation with Lucifer, but she shared it with Dan. And now we see that she's holding that information towards Dan now. I think the reason why she's doing this, why she's holding back the information, is that she's not sure who to trust at this stage and she barely even trusts herself on this because there is so many unknown factors. I don't think that anything in her behavior in this episode indicates that she's not trusting Dan. I think the moment where she doesn't share this information is mistrusting Dan. Maybe not consciously? I think it's mostly a time thing because later on they are very close and everything. Yeah, they are, but she does doesn't tell him this at all, does she? Let's not jump to the end. We're kind of jumping all over the episode again. <laughs> We're disagreeing. I say it's a time restraint. You say it's because Chloe does not even trust Dan anymore in this point. Yeah. We're gonna see which one of us is right. <laughs> oh, I'm right. Obviously, I'm always right. No, you can't be because I'm always right. I found it interesting that Lucy is being portrayed as kind of alone in this moment because Chloe is busy with Dan and Linda is betraying his trust in quotation marks because he has a very different expectation what her job as his therapist is. So him feeling a bit alone and going off on his own felt very logical and in character again. And I enjoy him crashing the group therapy because Lucifer crashing any kind of gathering is fun. Yeah, I actually have a name for this. Oh, the group therapy, aka when Lucifer asks a group of people to help him with his problems. <laughs> Very good. Basically, Lucifer has an audience. Yeah. A feedback group. A brownie point for Chloe when she admits that she underestimated Linda. Brownie points all around. <laughs> brownie point for Linda for being able to take a compliment because that's a difficult thing to do. And for coming to the realization that she has to stop having sex with Lucifer. Yes. So brownie points all around. Yep, there are some good women. I really, really like it. Plus they talk and Chloe goes like, no, she doesn't believe that the wife did it. It's just one more checkpoint on the list for when Chloe's gut is right. When we go back to group therapy, did you notice that Lucifer says God and not dead? I did not. We haven't had that slip for a while. In the very first episode, he kept saying God, but he has now turned over to using speak about me instead of speak of the devil and saying dad instead of God. But now we have a slip. I just noticed it. Yeah. This is now going to be my second complaint about the episode. Because while I feel it's hilarious that Lucifer pretty much accidentally solves the case, it also felt a bit cheap. It was like, okay, this is so obvious. No. <laughs> yeah. But compared to the entirety of the episode, this is a tiny complaint. What I didn't understand is Lucifer has a fucking knife to his throat. Mm -hmm. He considers himself mortal at the moment. Why is he so chill? Well, there is a question in... Uh, sorry, I'm trying to form my words. <laughs> I'd say there is a couple of different explanations we can go with. Either he's seen Chloe coming in, which I don't think that happened just yet. Or he looks at Dr. Medina and he knows that he's not going to do anything. And that's it. Yeah. I think he just doesn't believe that Dr. Medina is actually, or the tissue lot, is actually going to use the knife. 
on him. He was way more careful in the earlier episodes, so this felt out Yeah, of... but there was guns. Get your throat cut and you still die. But it takes longer, there's a bunch of other people. Yeah, but he, he considers himself potentially mortal. And just last episode, Amenadiel pointed out that if he dies, he's going back to hell. So I would expect him to be more cautious and not less cautious. So this I didn't understand. Hmm. I kind of love the way they set up the whole situation where he summons up the jealousy issue of Dr. Medina and it literally sounds like he's describing himself and his own situation. And you watch him and it goes there and you're absolutely sure that he's gonna come to the... The eureka moment. The eureka moment. Oh my god, this is actually my situation. And he goes, oh my god, this is absolutely not my situation. I can see it now. And you just... Yeah, we're nothing alike. (laughs) And you just stare at the screen it's like no no you were doing so well now what did you say denial projection deflection yes Ta-da! we figured it out <sighs> so yeah i just i love when they do this to us and it was the same situation when uh, last episode or yeah last episode when we're talking about getting fresh ice on the case and we are led to a certain belief that this is gonna go yeah, a certain, certain way expectation that it's gonna be chloe and then he is gone and goes to a deal. yeah they completely fuck us over by doing the exact opposite that's absolutely something that they're really doing well a thing that they're doing which I cannot blame the writing for because it's a thing that I have an issue with with shows in general. When we transition over to the next scene, Lucy and Chloe do have this short conversation about the jealousy mm-hmm. issue and his issue. And they do not talk about it. And I hate this. I hate when there's a chance that the two main characters could actually talk candidly with each other and simply don't. Because there's no reason to not talk about this in this moment and the sheer obviousness of the emotions and feelings in this situation it's annoying i know it's supposed to create tension and to give us a storyline and yada 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 and this is not a lucifer show fault pretty much every show does this this is we have the same in supernatural when the brothers do not talk to each other i still hate it i know and i think this is a lot about you as a person as well i'm not i'm not attacking you (laughs) this is is meant as a compliment (laughs) i fully agree with you (laughs) you're the type of a person who likes to have all the cards on the table at all times you're a very direct person and you will stand your opinion and you don't really and you you have a conversation about things which a lot of people this is a human trait this is not as much about writing but it's it's a human trait to avoid difficult conversations and i think that's what's happening at this moment and real life humans who avoid conflict and conversation exasperate me just as much exactly so as much as i understand and agree with you and i also would like to think that i am very straightforward person sometimes it's really difficult to talk about your feelings because that can make you vulnerable and you don't want to be vulnerable in front of certain people so that's kind of my point of view towards that. If you put it out there and use it as a shield and nobody can use it against you. That is a very mature and... <laughs> it's sneaky. Oh, no, absolutely. It's a very good approach and I absolutely agree with that. And I wish I could do it 100% in my life. Coming back to what we were talking about earlier, Chloe tells Lucifer about Malcolm, mm-hmm. which on one hand 
it feels good that she's confiding in him and also kind of gives you a point about your issue earlier that she didn't talk to Dan. Mm -hmm. So mm, I might be willing to concede my earlier disagreement. Yay! And also I like that even though they have the awkwardness of the non-communication right before that, literally seconds before, they very quickly come back to their dynamic that she communicates with him and he gives her feedback that she can actually use. That was really well done. Also with the transition then going over to the cop bar, him being Lucifer and just trying the handle and whoops, the door is now open. To be fair, I really like this situation because Chloe points out she pretty much breaks the fourth wall in that moment and says that he has a way with locks, which <laughs> is... We know, Chloe! Thank you for pointing it out! Thank you for noticing because we've seen this forever and we want... Thank you. So I, I felt very satisfied by the fact that Chloe agrees with us. And I didn't even catch that. I have to say, I, from now on till the end of the episode, the next how many four scenes, mm -hmm. I was convinced every scene is the last. I feel like there was so many endings to this episode. Yeah, it had a lot of the ring feels to yeah. it. Like the end. Yeah. No, the oh, end. No. Actually, there is another person we can talk to. I just, I was pretty much getting ready to write down my final thoughts and everything during this scene. I think this only didn't happen for me because I write down when the scene ends. So I'm always aware of how much time is left. But I fully agree. Every of those four scenes could have been the ending of the episode. But before we go to the last four scenes, when Dan comes into the cop bar, he seems genuinely distraught character-wise. Which, of course, makes sense because he knows that this is not likely and yeah, yeah, yeah. But we do not know this in this moment. And I felt very sympathetic towards him because he seemed so genuinely distraught. And the tension, his unease creates really carries well into the scene mm -hmm. and keeps us on our toes. So yes. this is again really, really well done. As is the triangle setup with Chloe and Dan in the front and Lucifer being in the back, looking at the two of them interacting. So nicely done. And I'm not sure if you noticed, but when Chloe and Dan hug, we get Chloe's face for a brief moment. And she is not happy with the situation. I'm not really sure if she doesn't trust Dan specifically, but she is suspicious about the situation and she doesn't like how neatly wrapped this entire thing is. I didn't catch her face, actually. Yeah, it's slightly distraught. So she, the face that she shows Dan is, oh, okay, yeah, sure, this might must have been the whole situation and Pellucci was the corrupt cop. But then they hug and you can see in a flash her uncertainty about the situation. And at the very moment I read it as she doesn't trust Dan. But since they then later on in uh, the episode have another scene, it doesn't seem like she's completely distrustful towards him. So it's probably just... She doesn't distrust the neatly wrapped up package. Exactly. I didn't catch her face, so I'm going to trust you on this. <laughs> I'm going to send you a screenshot later if you want. No, no, no. I have no need. I trust you. When we're back with Linda, we get the aforementioned brownie point for Linda that she's actually breaking up with Lucy, which he is taking extremely well, which of course speaks for his obsession with Chloe. Let's be honest here. If he wasn't 
focused on Chloe, he would take a much bigger blow to his ego when someone tells him they're gonna stop having sex with him. I'm pretty sure usually Lucifer is the one who to break things off. It would be definitely something that he's not used to. I think that he would he wouldn't be used to it, but at the same time, he wouldn't take it as too much of a deal because he wasn't emotionally involved. He never is emotionally involved. Yeah, that's the point. He would be slightly distraught by the fact that this doesn't happen to him really. Just a blow to his ego, not his heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he wouldn't be crazy about it, but... I like that he comes back to make sure that Dr. Kanan is who he thinks he is. So, like, angelic voice. Oh, you know him. That's a perfect... So well done. I love that. And as not awkward as this scene is, we get all the awkwardness in the next scene with Dan and Chloe. The closeness between a married couple that hasn't been intimate in any way for a while. The whole scene felt very... It's... Chloe seems quite relaxed having done around but at the same time she's fine with him being a father but that kind of goes back to what i said at the beginning i'm not sure if she's fine with him being there as her partner emotionally the finger touching is pretty much dan offers and she initiates like he puts his hand there and she she wiggles her fingers in there so it's pretty much a both-sided thing that's going there and i'm pretty sure both are interested and willing to try to restart this relationship but everything about it is awkward Mm -hmm. chloe obviously has her mind on the case dan kind of obviously is preoccupied with something even ignoring those two parts they haven't been intimate for quite a while and they still have unresolved issues between the two of them so more awkwardness and i was just like oh fuck's sakes americans just fucking get over with it but yeah that's or not probably yeah and we end this scene with with Dan's face when he gets a text and he turns around and he checks his text and you see his face and props to the actor Kevin Alejandro is a great actor we talked about that before and we will say it again his face is like you know instantly that shit is about to hit the fan oh yeah and I'm very very happy that we go now first to deal with his story and then to deal with Lucifer because from the way the scenes have alternated in the entire episode I kind of would have expected to first get the Lucifer part and then get the Dan solution and I'm happy that they did it the other way around that we basically stick with Dan and I did not see it coming on my first viewing that Dan was the one who shot Malcolm I do not understand why he shot him and holy shit the entire scene between those two guys has so much tension and i fucking hate malcolm well for one do you realize that that means that the key that chloe found was Dan's. is his and he knew about the trapdoor and everything but i still do not understand why he would shoot malcolm i'm sure they're gonna tell us <laughs> They fucking better. This is why I did not put it in a question for later. Because if they do not explain this in the next episode, I'm gonna be so fucking cranky. (laughs) Yeah. My notes for this scene go all in cups. Here we go. Dirty Dan. Fuck Malcolm. He's smart but gross. So disgusting. But is Dan dirty though? Malcolm is dirty and Dan shot a dirty cop. 
Does that make him dirty? Well, he tried to kill somebody. Yeah, but dirty cop means taking bribes, stealing drugs, stuff like that. It still makes him a problematic cop, but does it make him a dirty cop? Maybe dirty done was not the best expression I could have used. It's a wonderful name for him. Please keep the name. That's what I chose while watching the episode. No, because Detective Douche and Dirty Dan, it's a theme. D-D-D-D. Exactly, stick with it. But you get my point. Yeah, absolutely, yes. I, I do not feel that he's dirty in the sense which is also why I don't get why he shot Malcolm because there is a kind of a straightforward explanation to that would be that he was trying to stop Malcolm from revealing him I suppose or do you think that Dan knew that Chloe was there and when he realized that Malcolm was looking towards Chloe he wanted to protect her and this is why he shot him sounds reasonable I actually don't remember so I'm like Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, so it's something. Which still doesn't explain why he followed him in the first place, but and knew about the trapdoor and everything, but it would fit with him being patronizing over Chloe and not trusting in her being able to take care of herself. So yeah, I'm expecting them to explain it in the next episode. They better do. Final scene. We have the last song for this episode. And the song is called Hellbent. It's by Mystery Skulls featuring Snowblood. But yeah, Hellbent. Mystery Skulls featuring Snowblood. What a name. You can't make this up. So edgy. Oh, very. I once again have to give major props to Tom Ellis. Because when Lucifer enters Lux, you can pretty much see the anger coming off of him in waves. Yep. Which I found very impressive. And when he confronts Maze, also like the way she looks away and then looks at him again. I do have a question though. Lucifer says that she did it for herself. Mm -hmm. Did she though? Yeah. Because I'm not sure. Well, partially. I'm gonna point out that Maze is using the excuse that I pointed out in the other episode. She is literally repeating the words. Yes. But yes, I'm pretty sure that she's doing it for herself. Not entirely for herself. But I don't think she would have done it if she didn't want to go home. But she only wants to go home because Lucifer is mortal or vulnerable. I don't think so. I don't think that's the only reason she wants to go home. I think she's getting fed up with Earth because Lucifer doesn't pay attention to her anymore. She's bored of Earth. Yeah. But she's also worried about Lucifer. Well, yeah, I'm not saying that the selfish reasons are the only reasons, but it's definitely a part of it, in my opinion. For me, it feels more like she wouldn't mind going back to hell, but mostly it's it's about keeping Lucifer safe. If she could keep him safe and make him invincible again and not care about Chloe, then she would also stick around with him on Earth. Because then she would get to indulge into torture and mayhem and murder in a way that she at the moment cannot. Yeah, I think the biggest problem right now is for her, next to the fact that Lucifer is vulnerable and mortal, is the fact that he is not paying attention to her and therefore she doesn't really know what she he should do with herself anymore. That's probably playing into it, but I think the main issue she has that he's not paying attention to her is that he's not confiding in her. So she cannot protect him from things she doesn't know. Jealousy. So when he's not sharing, I'm not sure if it's jealousy on her part. I think it's more she can't do her vowed job. She took a vow to protect him. And if he doesn't provide her with the necessary information for her to protect him, 
How the fuck is she supposed to do that? Look, my impression of Mace is that she would be able to get that information without actually him sharing the information. Because when it comes to just being the bodyguard, she has proven herself to be able to do that. But she's more than a bodyguard. She's a protector of him. Bodyguard and protector is the same thing. No, a bodyguard protects your body. A protector protects your whole being. I feel like she's feeling responsible for protecting all of Lucifer. We saw her keep the tiny piece of the wing and everything. That's not part of a bodyguard. Do you see that as a the reason why she did it? Because she's trying to protect him? It's a part of his divinity that she saved. Yeah, but he didn't want it anymore. He didn't want it at that moment. Maybe he's going to change his mind. And this is basically what, in my opinion, May sees herself as. That she's going to make sure that his choices and decisions are not going to come back to bite him in the ass one way or the other. Yeah, but that doesn't give her a reason to make him go back to hell, really. Because there she can keep him safe from everything. Well, yeah, but I'm pretty sure that she is physically able to do that on Earth as well. My only point I'm trying to make is that I think that this whole situation was maybe not completely selfish, but it was partly selfish. Well, I'm not refusing the part, but I feel like 60% is not selfish. (laughs) Yep. I can let you have that if you want. I'm not aggressively disagreeing with that. I just wanted to establish that there was some selfishness. That's okay. She's a demon. She can have selfishness. Also, she has a free will. She can be selfish. I found the Lucy breaking up with Mace very sad. It's quite upsetting, yeah. Neither is happy with breaking up with each other. But all in all, the sheer amount of endings and beginnings in this episode is very, very impressive. I'm just gonna jump in here real quick and as I mentioned before I am watching on a DVD and once in a while we get a cutscene there. In this episode the cutscene would probably go a couple scenes ago and it is Lucifer walking up straight to the camera which is placed on Dr. Caden's door. He stands there, stares at it and says knock knock I'm in a deal and bursts into the room and then we finally get a chance to see the room And it's an empty space with a table in the middle, with a chair. And there is a Bible sitting on top of the table and that's it. (laughs) And that's the whole scene. So I just... Oh, wow. I just found it really good. It's very Ames. I know there wasn't space for it in the episode, but I think it's really good. Yes, it's very Ames. I like that a lot. Yeah. Literally just one fucking book on the empty (laughs) table. I think there might be like a small table lamp or something like that. But that's it. So yeah. I would have liked to see that one. But even without that cutscene, I really like this episode. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of Linda time, some Mace time. I kept praising the dialogue, which was fast-paced and witty and true to the characters. The motivations in each scene for everyone were clear and logical for me. I could empathize with them. I could understand why things happened. We got quite a decent amount of plot progression, which I'm super happy with. Because usually we're now pretty much in the middle of the season. And I'm so used to it by other shows that in the middle of a season you tend to get more filler and less meta plot. So I'm really, really happy that we got proper plot advancement. I'm left with several questions that I'm expecting and assuming and demanding they answer in the next episode. So... Yeah, bring on next week. Yay, excited. (laughs) Yeah, there was so much plot development, it was unreal. And Linda-centered episode was much needed. And as much as I love that, I 
very much miss Trixie in this episode again. So I'm expecting them to do Trixie-centered episode soon. I'm going to be very upset <laughs> if that's not going to happen. I'm actually expecting a May-centered episode, to be honest. Well, we already had one-ish. Yeah, but now she's got broken up with. Yeah, but Trixie haven't been in an episode for two weeks now. Aww. So, uh, they're there. Fuck's sake. Stop being <laughs> condescending. You love me. I'm not going to lie. I do. Another great thing is that Lucy finally finds out about the whole betrayal because that's been sitting on our shoulders for a while and the whole Amenadiel spying on him and manipulating Linda, which is something that I'm super upset about and I hate Amenadiel for that. Yeah, fuck Ames. Screw him. him. But this is going to escalate, hopefully. Yes, and the whole what's going to happen with May is now because she has been released from her vow and she has been shunned. By her boss. By her lord and master, literally. Yeah, this is literally the only being on earth that she cares about. And she has been shunned by him. Maybe now she goes on a killing spree or something. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, I am very, <laughs> I'm very excited. Kill the base, kill the boss. About what's gonna happen with Mazakine. And the entire Dan plot twist was genius. Yes. Even though I hate on him a lot, I did not see that coming, especially when I was watching the first time. And as I mentioned before, this whole plot twist in the last couple of episodes and the what's gonna happen by the end of the season as well, I don't remember much because it's just such a roller coaster that it's difficult to keep up. But also it makes so much sense. So I love this, that it keeps me engaged and it keeps me on my toes, even though this is not the first time I'm watching this. So yay. And I'm hoping for Trixie soon because I'm getting seriously deprived. I need more. She's gonna come back at some point, probably. With this hopeful note for more Trixie time, I'm gonna say thank you for listening. Of course, as usual, if you want to keep in touch with us, you can do so via Twitter. At the Apple of Truth, one word. Or Instagram. At T-A-O-T Podcast. We obviously also have a Facebook page that can be found under both names. And our episodes can be found on both iTunes and Spotify. And for all of you out there who want to know if there are other ways to get involved besides telling all of your friends and everybody you know to listen to the show, because we all need to kill some time these days, you can find us at patreon.com slash podcast. And you can find a lot of extra content there as well, because we just won't ever shut up. Because sometimes we're bored. Sorry. Bye! Bye!